All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I'm speaking to you from New York City on um, this is the 17th day of, um, do I have that right? No, today is the 14th day of November 2017. Um before I talk more about today's show, let me remind you that I am the uh, author of Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and we're having a, a, a really good time this year with the junior gold stocks, the exploration stocks, chief among which, of course, is Novo Resources, which is up eight or tenfold this year, one of the sponsors to this show. Uh, but there's a lot of others that are really looking good, and I might also mention that this is the time of the year when there's a lot of tax loss selling in these little juniors. It's not the time to be selling unless you have to. It's a good time, though, if you have some cash tucked away to start looking selectively at some of the companies that I cover in my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. And you can go to that website, uh, miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com, to sign up for my letter. And uh, if you'd like to check out Chen Lin's letter as well, chenpicks.com. Chen has done a very, very good job of making money for his subscribers and has some great ideas that I I think are worth following. In fact, I follow a few of them myself and tuck a couple of them away here and there in my newsletter. I do want to thank all of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel. And one of the reasons it's very popular also is because of my first guest today, Michael Oliver. Uh, We'll be chatting with him in just a minute or two. Uh, We also want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Without them, I would not be here talking to you every week, no doubt about it. But what's really interesting is we have... Uh, some very interesting sponsors that have some, I think, some ideas to make uh, make a lot of money. I mean, Novo Resources is the best example of that, but Bonterra Resources joins us today as a sponsor. Uh, I'll be talking to Nav Dhaliwal in a few minutes after the first, uh, during the second segment, about a quarter after the hour. Uh, but in addition to Bonterra, our sponsors are New Range Gold, Klondike Gold Corp, Aron Resources, I mentioned Novo Resources, and Genesis Metals Corp. And I might add that each and every one of those are companies that I have first recommended in my newsletter. Those, those are the ones I like to have as sponsors because I know the stories, I believe in them, uh, and it's just a lot easier for me to have sponsors in the show that I, that I really do intrinsically like and not because they're putting some money uh, sponsoring the show. I've titled today's show, How Much Longer Can the Petrodollar Survive? Jerry Robinson and Michael Oliver uh, return this week. And as I mentioned, Nav Dhaliwal, the, uh, the president and CEO of Bonterra Resources, will be here with me for the first time. You know, in 1971, President Nixon detached gold from the U.S. dollar and the international monetary system and to, mean, to uh, be able to maintain demand for what was then 
had become an intrinsically worthless piece of paper, the dollar, the mighty U.S. military was used, at least in part, to enforce, uh, well, to enforce countries to use the dollar for oil transactions around the world, starting with Saudi Arabia and then all the OPEC countries. Well, having the ability then to print trillions of dollars, not only did Americans live beyond their means, but funding the greatest military incursion, regime change, empire building stampede the world has ever known has taken place. But now, adversarial nations like China and Russia and Iran, well, they're kind of tired of that game and they're threatening the petrodollar hegemony by establishing their own trading and banking infrastructure and their own currencies. They're trading within their own currencies and even now setting up the uh, possibility of backing them with gold. Well, at about uh, half past the hour today, I'll be talking to Jerry Robinson about those issues. Jerry also has some interesting things to say, some technical analysis with respect to individual stocks. We're going to ask him about a couple of them that are on our list. Um, and uh, as I just mentioned, a new stock that I just recommended, Bonterra Resources, we'll be talking to Nav Dhaliwal uh, after the first break. Uh, but now, we're very fortunate, once again, to have Michael Oliver, the most frequent guest on this show by far. Nobody even comes close to the number of times Michael's been on, and that's because he's here by popular demand, uh, both the demand of our listeners and, well, my request. I don't demand anything of Michael. I have too much respect for him for that, but it's really good to have you with me again. Thanks for being with me, Michael. Always good to be back, Jake. Always good to have you because uh, you, you've just done a remarkable job in helping us, helping me at least, and I think a lot of my listeners. You know, I was just up in up in Vancouver at the conference, the Metals Investor Forum con- conference, and uh, quite a number of people stopped by and uh, said how much they really enjoyed uh, your contribution to the show, Michael. I just wanted you to know that. Uh, I uh, yeah, and I mean, uh, of course, if our people really appreciate it, they'll they'll probably consider subscribing to your letter. But you do provide some some valuable information. Uh, here on this show, too, from a big picture. But what people need to understand is you do an awful lot more. You cover an awful lot more markets than the ones that we talk about here, uh, the big tectonic markets, as you like to call them. But I wanted to ask you, to, you know, today there was, a, uh, I, think it, I think it was the biggest wholesale price increase in six years, uh, monthly increase in six years. And I would have thought, you know, I sort of expected, well, that should send the, the, um, the T-bonds and the the uh, the debt markets, uh, the treasuries down, but in fact, at, at least at the longer end of the curve, they were up. The shorter end, I guess, the bonds went down, rates went up a little bit. But um, you know, I know day to day, you can't really make too much of anything like that. But what are your longer term metrics now saying about the T bond and and uh, longer dated sovereign debt instruments in general? I think they're the big disaster for next year, and I think they may be trying to hold off until then because uh, when I run my annual numbers, uh, and that means the three-year average, for example, against which I measure price, the oscillate price against that, uh, it changes, and it's going to change next year for the bonds in Germany and the JGBs in Japan and the the bonds here, and it's going to jump up, meaning that the current price level relative to that average is going to drop because the moving average is coming up. The problem is... It's not just the relationship. There's a structure on the oscillators that's like a floor that you do not see on a price chart, but you see it on the annual momentum charts. Mm-hmm. And this floor looks like it's coming out, and it's old and it's been much used. 
And it looks to me like when I see this kind of situation shape up, it's often a function, not so much of price dropping through the structure, but the structure coming up to the market by the change in the moving average, if you followed that logic. So Uh more or less, time gets you. Because you didn't do the right thing at the right time. For example, if uh, the the buns, which right now are trading in the 162s, if they're not well above 165 by January, they're going to blow the structure out. Uh, The Japanese government bonds are right now lingering one point, and they're in the 150s, by the way, one point above blowing out a massive 10-year-wide floor on annual momentum. Mm -hmm. And RT bonds are toying with levels that they can't be toying with next year. So... uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a pregnant situation, but it's the kind of thing that looks to me like we almost want to waste the year, uh, the rest of the year, just fiddling, fiddling around. Uh, uh, and I also think that from time to time, when you do get bouts of stock weakness, although I do think bonds and stocks are in the coincident long-term trends, uh, I did a study on that recently, uh, yeah, day-to-day you can get some adverse, uh, in, inverse relationship like today. Uh, so you mm-hmm. had stocks drop about 20 points at one point during the day and bonds rallied. And mm-hmm. I think it might be partly flight to quality, that type of thing. Uh, yeah. It looks to me, though, like the bonds could be congestive for the rest of this year and that the real action is being held off until next year. And I mm-hmm. think it will be downside, meaning higher rates. Mm-hmm. Higher rates, uh, not mm-hmm. generally, at least at some point, not a good, not a good recipe for yeah, the equity markets. Not incrementally markets. higher either. I'm not talking about the overnight stuff that the central banks do, but I'm talking about uh-huh. the long ends of the markets, ten year on out, uh, uh-huh. rising due to market forces, not central bank policy changes. All right. So if we have rising interest rates, all other things being equal, we should have a stronger dollar then. But I don't believe you're seeing that either. Uh, no, reading your work, you're, you're looking for a weak dollar next year. Well, the reason is that the issue, let's assume that fundamental is the overriding fundamental of a foreign exchange unit, you know, uh-huh. the interest rate level. Uh, I don't assume that's the case, but let's pretend it is. But you also have the phenomenon, you can have rising rates in Europe. And yeah. rising rates here and rising rates in Japan. And the question then becomes, well, which, which one's rising more or which mm-hmm. one's more of an ambush to the mm-hmm. mentality of the people who are holding the bonds? For example, you can make the case that the, despite the Fed policy, which has been extremely aggressive for years, that the BOJ and the ECB were more aggressive. They, mm-hmm. after all, took their 10-year instruments below zero. We didn't do that. I think our 10-year yeah. note got down close to 1% or something, but the, their, their bonds are under, uh, were under zero. They're back above, and the JGB. So if there's an unwinding to come in the bond markets of the developed economies, uh, it seems to me the one that's more egregious is uh, the Europeans and the Japanese, not us. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the unwinding of rates could be more savage there uh-huh. in terms of, of speed and so forth. Therefore, it could benefit those currencies. Yeah. So the euro. Can well, of course. Uh, out of, it than the of course, as of course, as you point out, that's just one. That's just that's one. One, uh, right. one factor in in the currency rates. I can think back. You know, for the longest time, Americans could live beyond our means as long as the rest of the world was willing to keep buying our treasuries. Now there seems to be mm-hmm. some additional, additional. Um, uh, you know, and if they're not buying the treasuries anymore, maybe we're going to have to print more money ourselves just to keep things mm-hmm. liquid and, and drive the dollar lower. So anyway, it seems to me that a uh, that a rising dollar or a, a dollar that's declining in value fits in very nicely with your 
with your view that we're heading into a, a more commodity inflation as well, 2018. I, I think so. Yeah. And uh, there's been a lot of talk lately among technicians who are looking at the shorter-term picture that the dollar index has made a bottom, a head and shoulder bottom, and so forth, and is going higher. And, and uh, I see it as uh, merely a counter-trend rally. After all, we just dropped the dollar index from early this year, a 103 high. Mm-hmm. to a 92 low if you round it to increments of one, one point at a time. So you drop 12 ticks straight down. Yeah. Uh, no, 11. Excuse me, 11 down ticks on a, on a point and figure chart. You just produced three upticks. And it took you a multi-month rally to get the three upticks to 95. Yeah. Where we and now the dollar is weaker in, today. It, it seems. we right now with today. Yeah, it, it's, it's getting hit pretty hard today, I noticed. Yeah, and uh, Okay, Michael, with just a minute or two left here, gold. Uh, you, you sort of you're, you're suggesting that you you have your eye on a possible neutral position. I think for gold, uh, comment briefly on on how you see gold now. We've done this twice before. Uh, there was the big sell off in 2016 that panicked everybody. Then was a big sell off. Yeah. Uh, we had a go to neutral number if certain price were hit on the downside. It was not hit. The market stopped like three or four dollars in front of it. Did not touch the neutral number. Therefore, we held our bullish long term view. Then there was a sell-off in July, uh, which came down to 12.04. We said if you hit like it was 11.96, I think was our number, uh, we'll go to neutral. It didn't do it. Now our number this time on this particular pullback, and gold right now is trading at 12.82 on the nearby contract. We don't want to see 12.45 weekly close, and frankly, okay. I don't think we'll see it. Uh, so we're holding our long-term bullish view on gold. Admittedly, it's an arm wrestling type of upside that we've had for the last year and a half, two years, but it has been upside. Uh, if you look where we are now versus where we were in late 2015, early 2016, it's a considerable percentage rise, uh, even if it's deceitful <laughs> to, yeah. to, the, to the bears. Uh, and I think if you ever get over 1350, which is a price-based number, because all of our long-term momentum stuff is already broken out. There's nothing more it can do. It's just positive. Uh, but the price charts... I think we'll turn people on if you ever go up to 1350 and close a week. Uh, I think the price guys will then give in and say, uh-oh, that's bottom completed, and they'll get bullish. All so right. That's, that's, a, that's a number I'd that's, watch that, overhead. That's maybe what we can look forward to possibly uh, early 2018, maybe. Could be. Could be. Yeah, yes. could be. Never know, right? Never know exactly, right. but at least that's a number to keep our eye on. Yeah. Well, I see it goes at twelve eighty one, so comfortably above that uh, twelve forty five for the moment. Anyway, yep. Michael, want to thank you very much for being with us again. Always a pleasure. It's always informative and helpful to our listeners and to yours truly. So thanks so much, and uh, you, hopefully, Jay. if you're around next week, you'll take a few minutes with us again. See you then. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you very much. Well, folks, uh, we do have to go to commercial break, but don't go away. Nav Dollywall will be with us, the president and CEO of Bonterra Resources, a company I just recently added to my recommendation list in my newsletter. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Nav Dollywall. Orin Resources is a Canadian-based gold exploration company focused on the company's flagship Committee Bay project located in northern Canada, one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world. The company's current resource outlined by drilling thus far stands at 1.1 million ounces of gold at over 8 grams per ton. Orin is operated by the same team that founded Asanko Gold, which is constructing a major gold mine in West Africa, and Caden Resources, which was recently purchased in November for over $200 million. 
Range Gold Corps is a Canadian junior explorer focused on its recently acquired flagship Pamlico Gold Project, located in Nevada, one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world. Known as one of Nevada's highest-grade gold districts, Pamlico was held by private interests for most of its history and remains largely unexplored. Drilling by New Range is already confirming the legendary grades of the district with intercepts up to 341 grams gold per ton. Well-financed with no debt, New Range is unlocking shareholder value at Pamlico and trades under TSX, symbol NRG. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Training Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really glad to have with me for the first time Nav Dhaliwal. He is uh, the president and CEO of Bonterra Resources. He brings a wealth of entrepreneurial experience in sales and financing as well. He is uh, particularly adept at nurturing early-stage companies through their critical phases of evolution, having founded a number of companies over his career, and hence... uh, Obviously, very much uh, the the right man for the job for Bonterra Resources. It's a company that I've been following, but only recently did I put it in my newsletter, recommending it about two weeks ago. I've, I've sort of the stock sort of got away from me in the early days, uh, but then it, with the ongoing success, it's continued uh, to resonate with the uh, with the investors and uh, for good reasons. Uh, before I say hello to Nav, I want to just uh, give you a little information on the company. Uh, the stock trades in Canada under the symbol BTR. You can buy it down here in the United States under the symbol BONXF. Uh, 161.8 million shares outstanding. And uh, earlier today, and when I looked, it was selling in the United States in U.S. dollars at 45 cents, giving it a market cap of around U.S. 73 million. Of course, taking it closer to 100 million in Canadian dollars. Uh, there's a lot of institutional holders here, and then uh, prestigious names such as Kinross and Kirkland Lake, Van Eck Gold Fund owns some, and of course, uh, the very well-known uh, gold investor Eric Sprott is a major holder of the company as well. So, uh, welcome, Nav. It's, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about your flagship property, Gladiator Project in Quebec. Very exciting, very high-grade results, and uh, so, just for the sake of mostly for lay investors that are out there, uh, tell us, uh, just explain what you've got going at the Gladiator Project, uh, your resources, and what we might look forward to in terms of in terms of ounces and grades and that sort of thing going forward. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Jay. So, Bonterra is uh, is a company that's focused in in Quebec, uh, 170 kilometers northeast of Valdor. It's called the Urban Berry Camp. Um, Bonterra's, um, you know, our, our our focus here is proving out. Uh, the resource that we started off with, we commissioned a 43101 back in 2012. Uh, that resource was 200 meters at strike by 200 meters at depth. It uh, came out with a 273,000 ounce at nine, uh, nine grams a ton. Uh, 
So we knew that we were on to something here um, back in 2012. Uh, the company went through a transition of changing our management. You know, we, we needed to get people around us that uh, have taken drilling holes into production and that kind of wealth. And, and having Dale Ginn as our VP of Exploration has really turned, uh, turned the corner on, uh, on, on an area that is very active in Quebec. Um, so, you know, taking us through that, uh, you know, uh, here's where we are. Uh, we've taken a deposit that was 200 meters by 200 meters, and currently right now we have 1.2 kilometers strike by a kilometer at depth with multiple veins now. Uh, you know, we have six, six zones uh, officially uh, drilled out. Uh, earlier this year, um, we financed ourselves. So the company is well financed. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, kind of turning over the roster with uh, some well-known people out there of the likes of Eric Sprott, Joe Foster, uh, you know, like uh, Ken Ross, Kirkland, Lake Gold. Uh, so this year alone, we financed ourselves uh, for over $40 million worth of bought, uh, bought deals. Mm. Uh, we've been actively drilling out there. And as you can see with the results that are happening, um, we haven't stopped working. Uh, we've had uh, four drills uh, consistently on the project. But more importantly, from what we've been doing on the deposit, we've been concentrating a lot on the deposit, but we've been doing some regional work. What's got uh, us very excited is on our property, the Coliseum property, um, six kilometers away, we've uh, hit a new discovery. So mm. we're very keen on following up on that work, uh, not, let alone um, you know, getting uh, another 30,000 meters going for this winter. So in total now, the deposit has had 70,000 meters of drilling done on it. Um, and we, we're ramping up. We've taken a 25-man camp, built it out to an 80-man camp. Uh, so we're really ramping up because the winter is a more efficient is what I'd like to say, uh, way about going about it, um, uh, getting on top of the deposit where the ground's a lot harder so we can move the equipment around. And, um, yeah, getting back to that Coliseum, we, we really want to, you know, uh, 80% of our efforts are going to be put on to, uh, onto the deposit where 20% is going to go regionally with uh, what we have found. So unlike a lot of junior exploration companies in Canada in the winter, you're going to have, I suppose, some, some data flow, some, uh, some drill results through the winter? Absolutely, and that's where we really start, um, uh, if you want to say, cranking it up is, um, you know, we're, we're, that's our most efficient and economical way of going about it because it is low-lying area, um, and, and when the ground does freeze up, uh, like I was mentioning before, it's easy for us to get accessibility onto, you know, uh, where uh, we'd have to position ourselves. So we can work all year round, but we can really start making it uh, a lot quicker uh, during the winter uh, winter season. And uh, so we're getting ramped up and uh, looking forward to it. So news flows wise, yeah, you know, from call it from December to you know uh, May of next year is really when we you know there's a high concentration of it and again we continue on throughout the summer um, and you know we're looking forward to the winter campaign and, and coming out mid next year with an, uh, an updated 43101 on our deposit you have uh, I believe I believe you you mentioned you have something like 273,000 ounces uh, grading 9.37 grams is that is that the number the right number yeah, that's correct. Not that's right now, but, yeah. but that was up until when? That was up through 2015 or? No, we commissioned that report in 2012. 
So uh-huh. we went through a transition where I took it over in 2012. I gave I gave conception to Bonterra into the region. I just looked at uh, the area and, and how management was looking at it, and I went in, uh, took over the company, kind of cleaned it up, and making sense of all the drilling that was done in the past. They did one hell of a job, but we needed to make sense of that. So I commissioned a 43101, uh, giving us the 270,000 ounces uh, and nine grams, knowing it's a high grade, and uh, you know from what we've accomplished so far, again, going back to that is we've stretched it out to over 1.2 kilometers, a kilometer of depth. They're stacking up nicely. Um, and uh, we look forward to getting some more drilling done here this winter to, to come out with a new 43-101 mid next year. That's our, that's, our, that's our aim. And the winter drilling will be expansionary or infill or what? Can you characterize the nature of it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There, there will be a portion that we are definitely going to concentrate on the infilling of the deposit to make sure that, you know, we've got the pierce points that, uh, um, that are, are going to be able to, uh, to add to this 43-101, so the spacing's proper. But we also, as we, like, take, for instance, this summer, as we were moving the rigs back to get to the deposit, we found a new zone. Uh, mm-hmm. We found a yeah. new north zone. We found a new south zone. So this, we haven't closed this deposit off in, in uh, any direction. Uh, so, the, you know, and one, one thing that uh, I'd like to emphasize, the company's never been in a better cash position, nor the geological understanding of what we're drilling into. The success rate that we're having at the end of the drill bit, uh, really, I got to get hats off to the teams, uh, you know, the, uh, the geologists that are running the drills and running the programs out there. They have a very strong, enthusiastic understanding of what we're drilling into and the system that we have. Yeah, I, I, I sensed that when I spoke with Dale Ginn recently, your, your head geologist there. So let me understand this now. Uh, I think you said that initial resource is from a 200 meter by 200 depth, 200 meter strike, 200 meter depth. Did I hear you to say that it's 1.2 kilometers by one kilometer now? That's right, as of right now. Yeah. So we so we should be looking and and when might you have an updated resource then? Uh, we're we're aiming for mid next year. Now um, again, we we plan on doing a uh, thirty thousand meters of, and again, that's all success based. We we start yeah. seeing that, uh, you know, we may increase it. We're comfortable in our cash. We look to spend about uh, you know anywhere from eight to ten million dollars in this winter program. Uh, we're very comfortable with our treasury. So, um, you know, if if we start finding success, uh, that's why we built out the camp to the size we have. If we mm-hmm. need to expand it, we will expand it. Uh, so we really want to take the information that we're going to get gather this winter uh, and, and and just add it to the 43101. Um, you know, there's, there's enough that we have here that a lot of people are looking at it. And here's the thing, a lot of, with the results and how we're putting it out there, um, you know, people that understand the geology of this area are really putting it together and see that, uh, you know, the continuity is there. Um, you know, so... We, we we feel comfortable where we're at right now, but we really would like to add that 30,000-plus meters that we're going to be doing this winter to really give it a, a solid number coming out mid-next year. Boy, I would guess we should be, uh, given, you know, just, just eyeballing some of the numbers that's been coming through in your press releases. Uh, <laughs> any metallurgy done yeah. Any any metallurgy done yet, Nev? Yeah, actually, that process has started as of, uh-huh. as of now. So that metallurgy, uh, you know, that's all part and parcel of the process. So yes, it it started now, and uh, and we'll continue on because we want to make sure that as we put this thing, you know, advance the project. That you know, it's it's great that we're discovering what we're discovering, but we want to make sure that as we 
the process is done properly as well. Sure. So sure. that when it comes time to looking at this deposit, great. But you know, how is it on the the mineable scenario? And it's very mineable, as Dilgan is, uh, you know, with over thirty years of experience drilling these kind of deposits and putting them in production. Uh, that's what's got him very excited. Nav, are we looking? We're looking at an underground situation here, I suppose, given the grades, right? Absolutely. It would be an underground situation for sure. Right, right. And good mining widths with those grades, uh, I, I presume. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The mining yeah. widths are there. Um, yeah, you know, it's the, the, all the ingredients are adding up to for one hell of a, de- a deposit here as well. Yeah. No wonder there's some people quite interested, and you've got the likes of Kirkland Lake and Kinross and people very interested. Um, you do have another project that, that looks quite good, actually, although it's not your focus now, but you, you have uh, the uh, Ladner, the Larder Lake project uh, in Ontario, right across the border, right? Could you comment just briefly on that, perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. So the Larder Lake project was something that we picked up in early 2015. You know, seeing that the the way the markets were, uh, Dale and myself were like, you know, we've 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 got uh, uh, you know a significant land package in the urban berry camp, um, and looking outside of that, uh, we needed a secondary project, and we found this uh, Larder Lake package that consolidates three different pro- uh, deposits together. So you got a four kilometer strike, um, mm. and uh, uh, you know, we found a distress company that uh, we were able to negotiate. Uh, we bought uh, four, uh, sorry, uh, we bought a million ounces on the books uh, in, in the inferred category, a little bit in the indicated, about 50000 in the indicated, for just over $4 an ounce in the ground. Mm. So it was very lucrative for our shareholders. Uh, Goldfields had did an option on this uh, back in 2012 for $40 million. Um, they left behind uh, just over $6 million worth of work that uh, we've, uh, you know, started to compile the data uh, and get this thing drill ready. As, you know, we've raised the money this year for the focus is our our Quebec property, but uh, you know it's not hurting us. Uh, seeing that we own the grounds outright, you know that's very important for us as well. That you know there's no uh, work commitments that we have to keep doing year by year by year. Um, so that was important. That uh, came with that package was that we own the ground outright. So it is definitely value add uh, for our shareholders, and and um, you know when we find uh, when we find it suitable for us, we will advance that project as well. Uh, Nav, with just a, a minute or so left, I, I noticed that your shares hit, or I think I guess you even told us that a few minutes ago, hit a new all-time or hit an all-time high today. So what would you say to investors that say, oh, gosh, I missed the boat? No. Uh, you know, that, uh, yeah, we're, we're very pleased on the performance of the stock. Absolutely not. The, you know, if you look at the, the, the value of what we're proving out as a deposit uh, comparatively to our market capitalization, uh, I, I believe this is, this is value uh, speaking loudly to investors to be taking uh, positions with a company, you know, after they do their due diligence. And, and, and again, look at what we've been putting out. Look at how this deposit's growing. I believe that this is just the start of of, uh, a lot of great things to happen. All right. Well, well, certainly I'll be keeping an eye on it for sure and for my subscribers and uh, hope to uh, pick up some shares, but I guess I better I better move quickly perhaps because uh, anyway, thanks so much yeah, now for being with us. It is an exciting story, no doubt about it. And I know and think very highly of your chief geologist there, Dale Ginn. So look forward to talking to you again sometime in the not too distant future. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it as well. Thank you so much, Jay. Uh-oh. 
All right, folks. Well, don't go away, though. Jerry Robinson's going to be with us, and we want to ask him about the petrodollar, what he thinks about the life of the, uh, let's say, the U.S. dollar's uh, hegemony. And uh, also, though, we're going to look for some some practical things from Jerry as well. Uh, one of the things I want to ask him about is the Bonterra resources. Uh, if he can give us his view of the chart of Bonterra resources. And uh, anyway, we'll be right back with Jerry Robinson. Don't go away. If you do, it's your loss. Be right back with Jerry Robinson. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Karatha region of Western Australia, where they are currently drilling and trenching their Purdy's reward project. In addition, Nobo has partnered with Sumitomo Mining Corporation to advance its Beaton's Creek Gold project toward production. With over $70 million in cash and strong shareholder support from the likes of Kirkland Lake Gold, Nobo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. A gold rush has begun. Recently, three of the largest gold mining companies announced strategic acquisitions in the Yukon Territories. Ahead of them was a group who had already consolidated the key claims covering the historic Klondike gold rush into one company, aptly named Klondike Gold Corp. Led by a team of accomplished geoscientists, the company is steadily advancing exploration to reveal the rich source of all that gold. The hunt for the next major discovery is well underway, and Klondike Gold's shareholders are strategically positioned. Stay ahead of the majors and follow KlondikeGoldCorp.com. Bonterra Resources, a Canadian exploration company, is aggressively expanding its high-grade Gladiator gold deposit in Quebec, Canada. In 2017, Bonterra raised $40 million and attracted strategic investors Eric Sprott, Kinross, Kirkland Lake Gold, and New York-based Vanek Gold Fund. Bonterra is focused on updating its 43-101 resource model in 2018 and will incorporate up to an additional 100,000-plus meters of drilling where the dimensions of the Gladiator Gold Deposit has been expanded to date nearly 500%. Bonterra trades in Canada under the symbol BTR and in the U.S. under BONXF. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really happy to have with me once again, Jerry Robinson. And I have Jerry because I think he is one of those people that can help us turn hard times into good times. And uh, he is an economist. No, I don't know how many economists there are out there that can really help us turn hard times into good times, but I believe this is one that can. 
Uh, he's a publisher. He's a columnist. He's he's written. Uh, uh, he's a conference speaker. He's uh, written at least one book that I'm aware of that, that was a bestseller. Uh, really, a, a really nice guy. He, he uh, provides actionable uh, service, actionable ideas to his subscribers. Um, yeah, the book I'm referring to that I'm thinking of is Bankruptcy of Our Nation, uh, 12 Key Strategies for Protecting Your Finances in These Uncertain Times. And uh, Jerry, thanks so much for joining me again today. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you because you're one of those positive people uh, in an otherwise dreary world sometimes, uh, and it's good to have some sunshine and some light at the end of the tunnel so <laughs> so it's well, good to I have mean, you here with a book like bankruptcy of our nation i'm I, i'm 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 glad to be grouped in the in the happy people <laughs> yeah I, well you know sometimes you have to be able to recognize reality before you can become you happy do. i think yes, yeah do. that's part of being happy is to recognize i mean you can always try to deny reality but that isn't going to get you anywhere uh in the future well um, as a point of reference, it's uh, the people should be going to followthemoney.com, Jerry? Yeah, yeah, followthemoney.com or FTM, like followthemoneydaily.com. Either one will okay. get you there to the website. Yep. Okay. Well, you have an awful lot of things uh, that uh, that I think are attractive, will be attractive to our listeners. So I want to thank you for joining us today. I do want to ask you uh, to critique some of our favorite stocks um, some of the sponsors of this show, one we just spoke to, uh, Bonterra. Uh, but first, uh, you know, I, I want to ask you, um, I know you're very familiar when you in your book, the book you wrote, Bankruptcy of Our Nation. I know you're very familiar with the dollar uh, and how the dollar has retained its strength even after it went off the gold standard. Um, so that's what I'd like to talk to you about first, if, if you don't mind it. Uh, after Nixon removed us from the gold standard, the dollar was uh, solidified by well, an agreement that Henry Kissinger made with Saudi Arabia to protect, uh, es- essentially to protect the uh, the power structure in Saudi Arabia in exchange for the use, uh, demand for dollars in exchange for the oil that they sold around the world. And they were able also to get most, if not all, of the OPEC nations to, to agree on that as well. So this allowed the United States to retain and even gain status as the world's, uh, the dollar anyway, to, re- uh, to gain status as the world's reserve currency. Uh, it gave an, uh, us an ability as Americans to, uh, to live beyond our means, to uh, as long as other nations were willing to, uh, to finance and buy treasuries, we could get away with living uh, way beyond our means. And we've done so with some, with some difficulties, of course, 2008, 2009 being an example. But for various reasons, some of which have to do with uh, the objection of the U.S. to power by, you know, some of these other countries, Russia, China, Iran, some of these countries are saying, well, we're kind of tired of this dollar hegemony. Uh, and they seem to be objecting to it now to a certain extent and setting up some of their own, some of their own instruments, some of their own infrastructure to compete against the dollar. But I'm wondering, what do you see with respect to the dollar's future? Are we going to have a, a strong dollar, a dollar that remains the world's reserve currency for the foreseeable future, or do you think there may indeed be some some threat to that? Well, admitting I have no crystal ball, I mean, putting that out of the way, I mean, there's just no sure. way possibly to know exactly what's going to happen around the corner. But well, all that being said, as we look forward, we see a currency 
that has detached itself, as you mentioned, from gold. It has entangled itself into a wicked web of what is now a Sunni-Shia civil war in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. It's dependent upon an infrastructure that is slowly eroding as we move towards a renewable energy future, a solar energy future, away from oil, away from some of the fossil fuels. This old world that the United States has built its empire upon is crumbling. And if we think back, uh, this is the same thing that happened to the Dutch in the 1600s. Or, the, or we look back and we think about the British who had put all of their, all of their chips on coal. And, of course, mm-hmm. that blew up in their face. And then the United States, you know, dominating the oil regimes of the world and really kind of trying to strong, strong arm this and attaching its currency to the, to the uh, prevailing energy source of the day. And so this has led to a lot of bloodshed. Uh, much, much blood has went down the drain along with treasure uh, here in the United States attempting to protect this. And so I, I, I think that the that the um, actions that were required to maintain the petrodollar system are actually the very actions that will cause the boomerang to come back upon us. These other nations have been suppressed to, 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 to basically support our overconsumption. So we mm-hmm. are living on the kindness of strangers. Will that continue? I, I think it will continue until it can't continue. But if, yeah. you, look at, if, you, if you look at Saudi Arabia... Uh, there's been a lot of a lot of geopolitical tensions over there, and yeah. you know what they're what they're talking about now. Of course, is the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Mm-hmm. You listen to that. Listen to that name, Jay. Mohammed mm-hmm. bin Salman. You listen. Yeah. How many? Sil- yeah. How many syllables? How many syllables is that? Is that too hard to say? Mo- Mohammed. That's three. Bin Salman. So there's six syllables. So same number uh-huh. of syllables that you would find in Osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's interesting is, is if you listen to the Western press, and this gives me a sense that the West is fully still in cahoots with Saudi Arabia and has not fully decayed in its relationship, is the fact that the West has adopted a new name for uh, Mohammed bin Salman. It's MBS. MBS is what they're calling him in the press, which basically huh. means that they're, they're not calling him Mohammed. Very uh. important that the American people don't try to trust a man named Mohammed. After all of the things that have happened here in the United States, uh. it's, very ob- it's very obvious that, the, that that would not play very well in the Western media. So they're calling him MBS, which is very Western friendly. Yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting. I hadn't hadn't been aware of that actually, and it's a uh, a bit of propaganda, isn't it? It would seem. It's another it's another example of the propaganda. So so now you know if you listen to the press or look at the New York Times or look at the Washington Post or Fox News, he's MBS. Uh, it's interesting though that he has cracked down not just upon the religious core of his country, which is, there remains to be seen how, how well this will go. Because I think the, the U.S. dollar really hinges upon uh, two things. Uh, some suppose that Saudi Arabia could turn to China and Russia and would simply say to the United States, we no longer want to have relations, or we're choosing China over you, or this or that. That could certainly happen. We could certainly see something like that happen. But there's also the threat of a total um, 
a rebellion within the belly of the beast of Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you have a total overthrow of the House of Saud, that could also um, really do a lot of damage to the petrodollar system because that would entangle us, of course, in a war. So there's all different kinds of ways this cookie can crumble. Um, but the but the petrodollar system, I don't see it lasting, you know, too terribly much longer, and I don't think the U.S. dollar uh, will remain the fee, the you know the world's reserve currency uh, for the next uh, you know decade or two. I, I think we'll probably see the eclipse of it eventually uh, very soon. It's very interesting what you're, you you were saying about turning to Russia possibly. I, I think for the very first time, the the king of Saudi Arabia, the uh, Ben Salman actually visited Russia. Uh, it's my understanding as well that he's had um, cozied up a bit to the Chinese and that China's that now that uh, China is Saudi Arabia's largest customer, China would like to get paid not in dollars but in yuan. And if, uh, if Saudi Arabia doesn't want uh, to go along with that, uh, well, it can, of course, and it can, go, it can buy gold. It can exchange the yuan into gold in their exchange, in their um, uh, they have, uh, you know, in Shanghai, a gold exchange there now in Yuan. And so it's a, sort of interesting what seems to be happening. Some of these things seem to be turning. We, of course, you would know better than I that we're, uh, you know, producing more oil in the United States. We buy less from Saudi Arabia than we used to. So some of these economic fundamentals would seem to be possibly uh, in play here along the lines of what you're talking about, for sure. Yeah, and I think also with Saudi Arabia, there's. Uh, I think I tend to be. You mentioned earlier that I was a bit on the rosy side on on some things. I think on this particular uh, issue, I'm not as convinced quite yet that Saudi Arabia has fully gone to the China Russia uh, table mm-hmm. solely. I think sure. they're trying to. Pl- I think they're trying to play all sides um, sure. and seeing how how far they can get. And if you take a look at the uh, the Trump. Uh, administration's entanglement with the House of Saud even today with uh, Jared Kushner over there brokering peace deals with Israel that has already begun and so we're seeing Saudi Arabia actually put aside its differences with uh, Israel on a few fronts and move together towards some sort of peace deal with Kushner at the head and I think you know I think this also could play out, and this could also be uh, you know a move closer to the U.S. So I'm not convinced that we're at the very edge. It could be, yeah. but I'm not fully convinced yet. Yeah, good point. Well, uh, let's say that uh, I mean, do you, do you um, you're, you're a technical analyst, and we want to get to some of your skills and talk about some of those things in a few minutes. But do you look at the dollar from a technical point of view, and if so, what are you what are you seeing? Just putting all aside these fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah, the US dollar we've been tracking that chart. That chart is so fundamental whether you're just a gold investor or even if you're just a stock investor. It's just good to know where the dollar is. So we keep track of that for all of our members and we we have that on our website as well. Now, the US dollar uh if you go back to 1990, the major major support is about 9350 and right now we're hovering at around 9430 so we're just mm-hmm. right above major 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 support we really uh saw the dollar surge greatly uh into the into the trump uh uh, uh victory but then it immediately yeah. collapsed and we've seen it uh still hovering around that $94 area so right now we're certainly not bullish on the dollar. We've actually been bullish on the Chinese yuan. We've been buying the uh, euro and uh, Bitcoin as well. 
uh, as much of an anthema as that is to some people, we've been buying that as a currency too. Is it, it continues to be one of the best performing currencies? Yeah, interesting. Well, let's say that uh, I mean, obviously, if the dollar breaks, it could have quite an impact on on the lives of Americans. If the dollar breaks to the downside, what sort of lows? I mean, we had we had some real lows um, back in nine, uh, 2011 or so. I think 2010. Uh, mm-hmm. Where did it get into the 80s or 70s or someplace then? Uh, yeah, I got down into like 72, almost oh, just barely above 70 back in 2008. And that was really, that was, of course, uh, very, very painful. I mean, if we, if we think about what the worst case scenario is for the dollar, and this is the absolute worst, let's say Saudi Arabia does yank the rug out from underneath the United States. Mm-hmm. Let's say suddenly that there is no more excessive demand for U.S. dollars around the world, uh, and suddenly the yuan somehow supplants it. You know, what that means, basically, is that our problem will be that foreign nations would begin sending a flood of U.S. dollars back to the United States in exchange yeah. for the new currency that they need for oil. And so you have this flood of U.S. dollars coming back. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Fed... Uh, would then, by default, lose its ability to print more money to solve mm-hmm. America's problems because now there's too much money, and so mm-hmm. now they would have to find them. They would find themselves in a deflationary, def- uh, defensive position, posture, and this is one of the worst possible things that could happen. So I think the the way that you know, as individuals look out and they see this U.S. dollar, they're worried about Saudi Arabia. They see you know they see the the potential of the dollar collapse in the future. I think the thing to remember is is that um, the most important thing is to have a plan. I mean, here's what's going to happen when that does happen, Jay. Mm-hmm. The clueless American public is going to demand answers, and the left yeah. is going to blame the right. The right's going to blame the left. The, the Both political parties will blame the Fed. Uh, but people will get crushed. The, yeah. people, with adjustable, people with adjustable rate debts, people with high interest rate payments, uh, asset prices would would plummet underneath this situation, so it's just not a good situation at all. We know when we look forward. No, it's not. And uh, then, of course, the uh, the question is, what do we do? Mm-hmm. What should we be doing now? Right? I, I mean, obviously, the people that listen to this show know that the dollar or any fiat currency has a limited life, and that it is. It isn't that gold and silver gain value relative to those currencies, but those currencies lose value. So one way is we're always telling our listeners in this show to to exchange, uh, put their savings, especially in a zero interest rate environment like we have now, uh, put some of them at least into gold and silver. I'm sure you don't disagree with that. Oh, no, of course not. And I think that's uh, – I think – when you find yourself in a situation like we are today, where we have $20 trillion of national debt, we have a, a GOP now that suddenly has lost its Tea Party, so suddenly now it doesn't matter how much you spend. You have a, mm-hmm. a Democratic Party as well that's willing to keep digging you know, the grave. And so we have this system that is just moving further and further towards a brick wall. The solution is basically twofold, education and then uh, action. And the education, I think, is are things like this, your show, the things that you're doing right now. You're bringing people on, talking about real things that matter. And when you, when you think about the petrodollar system, if you want to learn more about that, of course, you can read it in our book, Bankruptcy of Our Nation. But you can also read a really lot, a good excerpt on our website, ftmdaily.com forward slash petrodollar. Go there and educate yourself on this topic. 
And then when it comes to actually taking action, uh, what is very important is that, as you mentioned, you do have a, a few things going on. A, you need to have protection. You need to have protection against what could happen. Most people are not prepared for the lights to go out. They're mm-hmm. not prepared for the grocery store to stop selling f- food. They're not ready for anything, Jay, because they mm-hmm. live in a city and everything is brought to them. We live in total luxury today. So it's very important mm-hmm. that we, re- we re-instill within our, our communities the idea of simple putting a seed in the ground and planting a, a piece of food or raising a chicken. I mean, we, have, we have lost touch with nature, but we exploit it on a daily basis for pleasure and profit. It's kind of immoral. But the other thing is, is that it's very important for us to, as you mentioned, take the resources that we do have and spread them around. We talk about PACE, precious metals, for P, agriculture, A, C, commodities, E, energy. Those are great places uh, for a hyperinflationary kind of time. So PACE is one thing to think of. Uh, precious metals is good. I know, as I mentioned earlier, I know this is a little controversial, but I also believe that Bitcoin will be a major winner in the next major collapse because, and this is because, it's a major important thing, is because it is perceived to be outside of the banking system, and therefore it would be viewed as something that could be a store of value. I think mm-hmm. we'll see that as well. So I think it's, it pays for people to be diversified, have some, yeah, at, and, at, and absolutely, have some absolutely, powder. Absolutely, Jerry. You know, I just like to mention gold money, uh, which is now combined with Bitcoin and uh, one of the other cryptocurrencies. I think the, com- the combination of the two uh, to be able to, you know, to transfer wealth into a store of value wealth like gold or silver. I just mentioned that as a, as a passing remark. And, Jerry, we're just about out of time already. It's, we only have two and a half or minutes or so left to go. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you if you would take a look at the chart because you are such a, an excellent chartist. Uh, Bonterra Resources, who we just talked to, and then I'd like to ask you about Novo Resources as well. Tell us what you see with Bonterra now and then what you see with Novo Resources. Yeah, Bonterra, B-O-N-X-F. Uh, it's really got a lot of volume starting in 2017. We look at price and volume, and volume right now is really good on Bonterra. It's moving up nicely. It looks like all year long it's been in a nice uptrend. It's a little overbought right now. Uh, but right in the if it pulls back to about forty cents, that would probably be an ideal place. That's really strong support. Uh, on the other stock that you had mentioned, which was the other one that you had mentioned? Uh, uh, Novo Resources. Oh, Novo Resources. Yeah, that one is N S R P F. Yes, correct. Uh, that one we detected a new uptrend in uh, Novo. We have a trading system, and our trading system identified a new uptrend in Novo on July eleventh. It came amid very heavy volume on a 200-day moving average breakout. And it's just now, right now as we're speaking, it's pulling back to its 50-day moving average for the very first time. So from a technical perspective, this is a really ideal time for swing traders or maybe even some shorter-term position traders to be stepping in and uh, possibly buying it between here and up to about $6 if you're bullish on the stock. All right, Jerry, we've only got a minute, so I want people to know that, uh, that you provide some free stuff uh, that they can get and, t- and try your letter, right? Would you please explain that to people? Because you have so many different things that you offer. We didn't have time to get into that, but we will do it sometime in the near future. Oh, sure. I see you also send uh, a trading idea, I think, almost every day, don't you? 
We do, yeah, by email. So if anyone's looking for actionable trading ideas, whether it be in commodities, energy, precious metals, agriculture, global ETFs, we love ETFs. Uh, we like to provide actionable ideas. We also have a trading software. I'm, I, I coach you on the software. So if you need help to learn how to trade, you know, we're here to help. So the people can find all that information. Plus, we have a free membership. They can try things out. They can go to ftmdaily.com forward slash subscriptions. And there they'll see all of the different plans and pricing from the free plan all the way up to the, you know, to the big VIP plan where we provide everything, including two times a week coaching. All right. Thank you very much, Jerry. It's really a pleasure talking to you. We're out of time, unfortunately. Uh, we'll have you back again sometime in the near future. Well, folks, that is it for this week. Alistair McLeod will be with us next week to talk about how cryptocurrencies may destabilize our existing dollar-centric international monetary system. should be a very interesting discussion. I hope you'll join us next week. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.